hello there, members of the WAG Legion. It's J.D. Heyman, and say your name. Uh, I'm J.P. Olson. J.P. Olson, the executive producer of our WAGcast, has been gallivanting around the country, so you've probably been wondering why we haven't done this in a while, and it's all J.P.'s fault. Yeah, I've been out of town. You've been rambling down the highway. I have, like a hobo. Like a hobo, like B.J. McKay and his best friend Bear. Did you watch that show? You know, I didn't, but thank you for sending the music, which I haven't listened to yet, but I'm sure I'll enjoy it. <laughs> so there's a columnist that I enjoy, and his name is Hank Stuver, and he works with Washington Post. Mm. And um, he posted on the Twitter machine, he posted uh, a picture of BJ and the Bear, which was a show in the late 70s, early 80s, somewhere in there. I was too young to watch it, but other people told me about it. And then mm. later I caught up with it because I was being ironic. Anyway, um, I... Uh, so, so what about the truck driver that has a bear as a co-pilot or something? Is not that right? a bear, a chimpanzee named Bear. How stupid of me. <laughs> well, Bear is CB talk. Remember? How intelligent. You know, breaker, ba- <laughs> bears are like the cops, the fuzz, the heat. Right. You know? The man. You probably don't you were probably into the C B radio craze, weren't you, JP? You know, actually the guy that wrote Convoy uh went to school near me and our choir teacher promised that she would bring him in as a guest, but of course she didn't. <laughs> she never did. No. Oh. Over promised, dis- under delivered. That's what happened. Disappointed. Well, she probably tried and he was like, I got a great big convoy right now, so I can't <laughs> Right. Yeah, he's stop. He was, robbed, he was wrapped up with the, yeah, he had to put the hammer down. <laughs> anyway, the point is that Hank put up this tweet with BJ and the bear, the bear being the chimpanzee. So he traveled around the country in a truck with a chimpanzee, and he had, like, romances and solved mysteries with the help of the chimpanzee. Like, if he got into trouble, the chimpanzee would bust him out. Like, get, go get those keys to the handcuffs, like that kind of thing. Now I'm going to go a little deeper with you and yeah. tell you that his nemesis on the show was Sheriff Lobo. And then Sheriff Lobo got his own spinoff. Did you know that? I remember the name Sheriff Lobo. I do not remember the spinoff. Have you seen either of these? Have you seen BJ and the Bear? Yes, I've seen BJ and the Bear. And and anyway, the, the theme song, when I saw this photo of, of uh, Greg Evigan and the chimpanzee bear immediately decades and decades later the uh the theme song came back rushing into my head and and i knew that and i like knew almost all the words to it isn't that funny how tv can imprint i know this about you that you know just about every theme song of every television show within the past 50 years it's true you would probably win the game show of all game shows if that was the that was the point. Was the, if that was the theme, it would be no use for much anything else. Scorched Earth J.D. Heyman, they'd call you. Because I'm so vicious with the themes. <laughs> I would blaze, the world would burn when I name the... Fire from your fingertips. And my eyeballs as I <laughs> recited the VJ and the Bear song. Anyway, mm. look it up on the on the uh, you know music platform of your choice, but it's a... It's a a killer theme song. At one point, he says, rolling down to Dallas, my wheels provide my palace, then off to New Orleans or who knows where. How's that? 
I, that's actually not bad. It's better than I would no, have. No, it's not bad. No. Yeah. We, that theme songs were good. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about culture, high, medium, and deliciously low. And it's been on my mind, and it's been all over um, the Substack and uh, various ways, that what's going on in Ukraine. And I know we've thought some deep thoughts about it, and normally not from the perspective of culture, but... For me, it's hard to separate this from a media story uh, in that it's almost impossible to imagine that Zelensky could have become the figure he's become overnight uh, without his savvy use of uh, social media, for videos, being a, a comedian with incredible show business talent has really um, elevated his cause. And, uh, you know, I'm obviously, like most people, extremely moved and impressed and uh, shaken out of my comfort zone by somebody a million miles away from where I sit uh, defending his country. Do you have any thoughts on that, J.P. Olson? Well, obviously, horrific images coming out. And, uh, you know, it's like we were talking about a little bit earlier today. My son's been keeping me partly in the loop because um, he's following it really carefully on TikTok. And so I've been watching, I've been getting a fair amount of my information from both Russian soldiers who were posting leading up to the invasion, which basically revealed what was going to be happening, which I found to be kind of extraordinary. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think in, just in general, I mean, it's been a story that I'm re obviously keeping up on reading about it, but more than anything, just watching the footage of the last couple of days has been really startling and frightening to think that this is happening Um you know, at this point in our history, you would think that this this sort of thing, this kind of war wouldn't be fought, frankly. It's quite surprising yeah. to me. Well, I, I haven't seen the, the TikTok videos, but I presume that posting a TikTok video in the Russian army that would um, betray some kind of crisis internally about what's happening is a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I guess what I find most compelling is that up until this point I can I can name on you know one hand uh, count on one hand uh, the times that social media has actually delivered something like its promise to bring people uh, together in some way or to uh, alert the world to a worthy cause and this certainly is one of those times and I find that perversely inspiring. I mean, I know what you're saying. I agree with you. It's it's tragedy upon tragedy, and it's really scary. But at the same time, I'm really moved by the courage of of these people to to resist uh, invasion. Well, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, the war is being fought, at least right now, from from what we know from the reporting, in a relatively sort of quote unquote old fashioned way. But right. the way the way in which we're getting the information about the war is completely unlike any uh, any any war before, right? And you th you think to yourself because we've been here before in terms of this heady rush of coverage. You and I were talking earlier about um, how we're usually wrong about how a story is going to play out in that first rush of enthusiasm or optimism or you know whatever the theme is coming out of a place where obviously the facts are moving very very fast and we really have a very incomplete 
picture of what's going on in Ukraine. But I, I do wonder where we're going to be in 10 days. I, I can't imagine that the way we're conceiving this story now, the narrative is going to, to be the same. But right now, clearly, as I've written about, um, he is, Zelensky, that is, has been masterful at uh, winning the, the hearts and minds of an entire planet, basically. Uh, and I, I have some thoughts as to why that is. I, I think beyond the fact that um, he knows how to use media and he's extremely um, appealing, uh, I think that it's a narrative that, that people in the West particularly who have, to be honest, very little understanding of Ukraine, very little understanding of its history, about Russia, um, about any of the geopolitics. They are following a story that kind of slots very easily into uh, narratives that they are familiar with. I mean, this is Luke Skywalker versus the Empire, Harry Potter versus Voldemort, whatever you want to... I'm not trying to be glib. I just think it's extremely... um, comprehensible in a way that uh, some of the other crises we've been in lately from COVID-19 to um, cyber warfare and some amorphous way to corruption are really they're not easy to personify in those yeah. in those terms and, 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 and just a country being attacked unprovoked by a by a nation that has an, an army I think if you count the reserve soldiers that could be called up from Russia 10, 15 fold bigger. I mean, it's just absolutely not a fair fight in any way, and it was unprovoked. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting to see how our perceptions of, I mean, I don't think he was ever going to win any popularity contest outside of Mar-a-Lago, but uh, it's easy to see how Putin's um, made his position that much more precarious um, by doing what he's doing. Uh, he's a person who is not going to have a secure retirement no matter what. Mm. And he's certainly, at least from the perspective of Western civilization, made his position that much more tenuous if things continue to go the way they seem to be going. Um, I think it motivates him to be that much more lethal, frankly, uh, in terms of trying to get rid of the Ukrainian government and to put somebody in Ukraine that's sympathetic to get this done in as um, vicious a way as he can, uh, because if he loses face here, he's going to look um, that much more um, vulnerable at home, ultimately. You know, that's it's my, been, own, my own feeling about it. And it's been interesting in terms of social media. Um, one of the people I've been following since this started is Gary Kasparov, and what he's saying on Twitter as well, which, again, typically, I can't remember the last time I said, if ever. That was a really interesting tweet I just saw, but it, it actually was fascinating. Well, I me. did start with a BJ and the Bear tweet, so we're really <laughs> right. making use of social <laughs> right. media. Right, full circle. High-minded. One of our high-toned Algonquin roundtable kind of mm-hmm. conversations. Right. I'll be but Dorothy what did, Parker. what did Kasparov uh, say? Well, he, he, he was just a much more um, – he was – you know, I, I I wouldn't want to say that he was saying exactly this, but the general in, implication was you absolutely have to put a stop to to Putin because all these years of essentially allowing this kind of 
behavior and looking the other way and, you know, having sanctions but no real consequence have led to a point of a leader where this person's just going to keep going and going until they're forced to stop. It's almost, you know, it's almost like a, I don't know, like an, an alcoholic, like you have to stop them, you know, or, or else you, it's pretty clear what's going to be happening. So that was sort of the, um, uh, that was, that was sort of the, the, the general tenor of it. It was a 13 part tweet, but it, but it would laid out very specifically, this is a pattern this is a pattern of behavior that we've seen over and over. And if allowed to just continue through in Ukraine, don't imagine that it's going to stop there. And that's going to open up the doors to other things, which makes, you know, involvement of or lack of involvement or um, by both India and China recently um, failing to um, to formally um, condemn the act that much more distressing because you would hope that the entire world would be on board with um, a, a, a much more powerful nation attacking another unprovoked. Um, but if there's not a sort of, uh, if there's not a kind of unity around that, it, it's discouraging and concerning about what the, what the future holds in terms of asserting world power against this kind of action. So, uh, you know, it's a clash of two worldviews. It's a clash of uh, uh, our traditional position, which is that we have these higher values and that everybody has a right to self-determination. And we act to advocate for that. I'm not saying this is a perfect, uh, ex- uh, we have a perfect record in this regard. I'm, I'm just saying this is the way we have framed the world traditionally. And an ascendant view, which is that we're going to have our spheres of influence, just like we did in the 19th century. And um, these multi, this multipolar world is going to, you know, be one where great powers get to decide what happens in their zones of influence. And um, people have, uh, cynical people, I believe, have kind of promulgated that point of view because uh, they want to act with uh, freedom, with a free hand in their in their regions. That's, that's what is happening in Ukraine, and it's not that different from what has happened in Ukraine over more than 400 years. And it um, has been our position at least in the post-war period, that we don't uh, stand for that, or that at least officially we don't. Um, although, of course, critics can can pick apart our, our own misbehavior in that regard. But I think when you're looking at um, what's happening, you cannot help but believe that people have a right to self-determination. And the fact that it uh, aligns with our traditional interests, so be it. But the Ukrainians have never had meaningful independence from from Russia. Since 1991, it's been an independent country. It's very interdependent with Russia, and always has been. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the strangest achievement of Putin, frankly, is that he's been able to unite a very divergent, um, fractured society under uh, an idea of nationhood uh, that uh, it's never really had, just at a time, by the way, when our own uh, social media, our own uh, political wags have been saying, oh, that's kind of over. You know, we're, we're hopelessly fragmented. Uh, nobody, nobody's better than anybody else, and it doesn't really matter, and we're all equally corrupt. I think that's a through line in a lot of how our news and our information has been transmitted. So it's 
a reset potentially of how we view the mm-hmm. world, I hope. Yeah. It's, it's just a thought. And yeah, I think media has been really good in, uh, in this sense. Uh, I, you know, typically our social media has done the opposite. It's made us feel worse about possibility. It's made us feel worse about democracy. It's made us feel worse about um, our own values. And now we have somebody out there, however briefly, offering the possibility that uh, it could be a, a force for some justice and, and, and good stuff in the world. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. my fingers uh, are crossed. My yeah. fingers are crossed, JP. Well, that, that brings me to Theranos. <laughs> 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 but that stuff doesn't work. That one prick thing. No, doesn't work? no. But speaking of crossing your fingers and hoping that it works, I think we should talk about Elizabeth Holmes, don't you? We should. We should talk about Elizabeth Holmes because there's a. You know, there. I had was not. Are you familiar with this term, the scammer show? I had not heard of this term. I don't know that term. Well, the scammer show is. It's like a genre, like a western. Oh, okay. Or, uh, or uh, horror. But, you know, there's been this crop of scammer shows that have been released, you know, been out there streaming or on television in which someone's taken advantage of. And, you know, the con artist is the subject of fascination and and it kind of strips away at that. So there's been a lot. There was Inventing Anna. There's um, the the Tinder swindler. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of yeah, the Tinder sure. swindler. Yeah, well, I, um, certainly that's been doing very well. It's been doing very well. It's been doing very well because people are fascinated by imposters and con artists and, you know, rip off meisters of all kinds. And I think the best, frankly, the best one out there is this new Hulu uh, show called The Dropout, which is uh, about Elizabeth Holmes and has Amanda Seyfried as uh, a pretty uncanny Elizabeth Holmes. You know, she has that creepy, weird way that you know does she talk like, like this talk. and say i'd like another piece of cake like a little fat boy from something cartoon? like i think it was i think i read somewhere years ago now that she modeled her her cadence maybe on yoda i don't oh, know that's fact so check that. weird <laughs> you might want to fact check that but wait, wait wait doesn't yoda have kind of a high voice which i won't imitate all i i'm all I, yoda has a weird voice i know as a longtime friend of frank oz you could probably just ring him up and ask him mm-hmm. um but he has a weird way of speaking you know he he messes up the way you put the i'm not going to do a yoda impersonation yeah, everybody knows how everybody knows how yoda talks okay yeah. Yeah, well, no, I, so, I, I agree. I think it's better to just spare people our Yoda well, I don't imitations. think we, we don't want to do, we could spend hours doing doing the thing where he's like, I can't do it. Now that right. I say it, I can't even right. construct it's too much, a, it's too misconstruct much a sentence. Too much, too much pressure. pressure. Stop putting pressure on me, JP. The point <laughs> is that she was weird. And what really um, is interesting to me about it is she's the kind of a, con artists that we are particularly uh, vulnerable to because she wraps up all of her lies in this techno speak, you know, this kind of entrepreneur speak from Silicon Valley or wherever where people use a lot of jargon and, you know, talk in a kind of monotone way. And, And that somehow in our minds over the last 15 or 20 years been mis- could kind of been confused with intelligence or I know what I'm talking about when clearly I right. don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, if I say KPIs or velocity or 
synergy or lean in enough, you're going to like believe that what I'm saying is truthful. And obviously all the venture capitalists and everybody else on uh, Page Mill Road who heard her pitch, regardless of the fact that it it was preposterous to begin with, bought it. I mean, she and was I'm a good ta- she was a good enough con artist in 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 real life. I don't know if it comes up in the in the show, but she had George Schultz turning against his own grandson. Um, yeah, he he totally totally threw his his little grandson yeah, under the bus un, under the bus for being honest. What under is, the bus. What do you know, George Schultz? Do you think? I don't know. Do you think he? I wonder. Well, he's obviously. He's passed away, hasn't he, George Schultz? I, I think, yeah, I think George, I mean, George Schultz is, is, was considered one of the great statesmen of history for the United States and, and a serious-minded person of deep substance. I mean, that's why it's so disturbing. <laughs> but yet he had a tiger tattoo on his rear end. He did, which his wife said would growl when he was mad, which I still remember from reading that as a child and thinking, ugh. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Maybe he I, just had a bad case of gas. <laughs> it's, it's entirely yeah. likely. But I now think here's a, here's a sad thing that yeah. I just looked up. Yeah. George Schultz died on February sixth, twenty twenty one, which happens to be what JP? What is February sixth? Uh, I don't know. It's my birthday. Well, that's why I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You forgot again. Sorry, I was waiting. But Happy it's birthday! Also Ron, it's also Ronald Reagan's birthday as well. Interesting. They probably and had a lot, Ava had a lot in common. A- and and Ava Bronze. Really? Wow. What are you? Yeah. What? 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 Ja- 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 what celebrity list are you looking at right now? And Ax and Axel Rose. Huh. Uh, don't you know the famous people who were born on your birthday? Uh, actually, I do. You know who was born on my birthday? Um, no, obviously I don't, or I would have uh, asked. Ringo Starr and Harry Nilsson. So they were both kind of collaborators. You know, they, they know. knew one another. Yeah, they so. were friends. Well, just like George Schultz and Ava Braun. Ronald Reagan. They, he worked his bot. You know, I mean, I um, don't think he knew Ava Braun. No, I was kidding. Maybe um, he did. <laughs> Maybe they met at the Berchtesgaden. I don't think so. George but Schultz the, was fighting on the right side of history. Yeah, that, for sure. And, and, and I mean, it, it's, you know, like him or not like him. I mean, he was... He was one a of serious the type. person. If, absolutely, a, yes, totally. A and, serious <laughs> person, and also a patsy because he believed Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, no, it's true. Yes. I mean, many he, other people did. Many other people believed Elizabeth Holmes, and what I'm hoping is that what people get out of of the dropout is let's stop kind of making a fetish of entrepreneurs and business people as being smarter than everybody else. I think, this, I think this. I think I think I think this country has, particularly the investment side of it, has just gone crazy with the expectation that technology is always good and that every problem we have can be solved through technology. How about like a good healthcare system so people can get their blood taken? How about that instead of something where you just show up at Walgreens and it magically happens, but in fact it's not happening, but a bunch of people all practically walked away with a bunch of ill-gotten gains. Very bad, very bad, and and you know as you know I spent a couple of months in the Silicon Valley extended area, and a lot of what you're talking about rings really true, where people will on one on the one side of their mouth say, uh, you know, Facebook isn't you know should be doing this or that, but of course I'd work for them any day of the week, you know, and that was common. Or you know people would start sentences by saying I don't want to get into the ethics of it, and like you know you're in trouble. When people are talking about things in those terms, and it's very much a part of the culture, and she is, 
you know, fairly or not, as I'm sure you were aware when this was first coming out, I mean, there were a fair number of people leveling the charge that the way that she was being portrayed and really strung up by the media, including from very good reporting in the Wall Street Journal, that she was a victim of, of uh, sexism, which can both be true and also at the same time, the kind of, in my opinion, the kind of endeavor that she was purporting as, as a fraud um, is the kind of thing that ca- could have caused incredible harm to large numbers of people in public health. And that's where it's different to me. That's where I would make the distinction and why, in fact, I think her, you know, that the uh, the outcry and the, um, you know, sort of the, the aftermath of the discovery was so ferocious was because, in fact, what she was trying to get away with was not only a fraud, but it was going to harm people. And not every app is going to do that. I mean, I, I I hear you on the charge of sexism in the sense that, uh, you know, she, she was more interesting to cover. Yeah. Probably because of her gender, because she was unusual. Yeah, I mean, she was an attractive, like, wide-eyed young woman who seemed like a brilliant person, or at least according to her. Well, according to her, most definitely, and also all those rich guys who gave her money. But she was a fraud. And uh, the world of business is full of frauds uh, in all kinds of um, shapes and sizes and identities. And I think our culture encourages that kind of fraudulence. I mean, if you're, if you, as I am in some way in an entrepreneurial space, what you have to do is go out and sell your idea. You kind of have to quote unquote, fake it until you make it. Mm. And there's a fuzziness about how much you can uh, fake things before you make. I just think you don't, don't, you don't lie and you don't commit fraud. That seems yeah, yeah, seems like think, a good I, business rule. And but I think, but I, and I, th- and I don't I think, think she's for, unique. No, but I think it's it's you no. Know, and I mean, if you look at cases like Uber and um, and other companies that have employed all kinds of tactics to silence people, those are the kind of issues that I find particularly distressing. It's one thing to be a bit of a con artist. It's another to use all kinds of aspects of, you know, surveillance and intimidation to keep people from revealing what is actually true. What is happening that is destructive and criminal. Yeah. Yes. We should not do that. And in in her case and in the Uber case and in any number of other ones, it's just this, as I've started to say, it's a casino culture that we live in. We want to believe that you can just hit that one um, one armed bandit and get the cherries all in a row, and it's very easy, and then you're a billionaire. And we keep reinforcing that message, not just in sort of silly popular culture, but in our greatest institutions. We are so in love with this idea of individual success and um, the sort of hero triumphing against all odds and becoming materially incredibly wealthy that we're willing to suspend disbelief when somebody walks in the room and gives that kind of pitch that I can, you know, you can go to Walgreens and find out exactly everything that's wrong with you with one prick. So it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting show and it's a great performance um, from, from Amanda Seyfried. You'll like it. You'll like it, JP. Yeah. Do you know, well, J.P. Olson, we, we spent our whole time talking about very serious topics, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're finally uh, 
free to do the work that I asked you to do with me. <laughs> I'm back and better than ever, JD. I wanted to let the audience know that uh, you have bought a new pair of pajama pants, mm-hmm. and you have, and you're very excited about them. I am. And you you got them adjusted, you got them hemmed up to show a little ankle. Yes. Correct. I mean, but it wasn't. They weren't short enough. Yeah, they weren't short. Well, or my legs are too short. You take your pick. But your point was they, they fell too far down and you're they worried that you're sim- going to stumble on your, in the middle of the night, you're worried you're going to, your your little heel's going to get caught. Your your doll-like heel is going to get caught on your hem. When I was wearing them, it felt a lot like in a movie where a person is shrunk down to their child, but they're still in their adult clothes. It looked a little like that. I'm going to make a couple suggestions. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about pulling your pants up? If I pull them up high enough to accommodate the length, I don't know. Maybe under your armpits. Yeah, it would be. It wouldn't be the best look. It would be weird looking. (laughs) Yeah, no, I went, I got them shortened, as you know. And then I thought, should I have gotten them shortened some more? And then I decided to wash them, put them in the dryer on high. And now they fit perfectly. That you did, you did what I told you not to do. I did. I know. I'm a rebel. I broke away. I said no because I, I didn't. But I didn't boil them or put them in hot water. I just dried them. Just for everybody's knowledge, I asked you to go back to the tailor and just mm-hmm. have them taken up because I was worried. Who's got time? Th- Who's got time, JD? I, apparently, you, apparently <laughs> you don't. But I was worried that if you did what you just did, you would shrink them too much. But apparently, you haven't done that. No, I think I think I hit the sweet spot. Um, but thank you for your concern. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes things do work out. <laughs> well, so it's, it's a, this is a happy ending. So your pajama pants are working. You didn't call them pajama pants, though. You called them sleep pants. I called them sleep pants. Yeah, I did. I've I know. never heard that. Is that like an Ohio thing? Might be. I don't know. Sleep pants. I think if you look up sleep pants, you'll find. Well, I you don't know think. What? That's your assignment. That's your assignment. Look up sleep pants and see what happens. All right. So I'm wishing everybody well and, you know, that their sleep pants fit properly, just like (laughs) JP's. And we'll talk again soon. See you, JD. Good night, JP. Good night.